Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 83 of the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. So glad to have you here as always, and it's so glad to be back behind the microphone. If you're a member of our free private Facebook mastermind group over at NicheSiteTools.com forward slash mastermind, you know that my wife and I and all of our pets had to evacuate for Hurricane Matthew. And that's what today's episode is going to be all about, the importance of a disaster recovery plan, the importance of having a disaster plan not only for yourself in case something were to happen, but also for your online business, everything you do with your online adventures, and everything when it comes to just having some sort of plan in case something bad happens. There will definitely be some takeaways for everyone in this particular episode because I ran into some disasters completely unrelated to the hurricane that would have affected anybody out there as well. So I'm going to talk all about that this week. It's going to be some great information. Really looking forward to being back into the swing of things after a week of being all out of sorts. So we'll talk all about that today. But before we do that, I wanted to quickly thank 37 new email subscribers, but specifically two of them left their first name, Dale and Rashid. Thank you guys so much for subscribing over at nichesitetools.com forward slash mastermind. And if you do subscribe, you'll instantly get my keyword brainstorming guide, as well as my seven simple SEO tips guide to get you going and get you figuring out what to write about and what to concentrate on when it comes to getting your content to rank with SEO. And before we get right into the content, I wanted to quickly mention one thing. I received an email from Jessica LaRue over at the Amazon Boot Camp, and she basically sent out an email saying that as of October 20th, which is this coming Thursday, I believe, let me confirm, yes, as of this coming Thursday, so three days from when this podcast episode is going to go live, she is going to be shutting the doors on Amazon Bootcamp 2.0 for the year. So if you are someone that is interested in the idea of making money by selling products on Amazon, and you're interested in a self-guided video course that's going to show you everything from how to utilize the Fulfillment by Amazon program, where to find products, it comes with a private Facebook mastermind group with paid moderators, and also students just like yourself that would be interested in getting started successful sellers are out there all that sort of thing if you're interested in a video self-guided course that is just very specific to selling on amazon you might want to look at checking that out you can go to nichesitetools.com forward slash abc three letters and that stands for amazon Bootcamp. so again it's nichesitetools.com forward slash abc and this will be your last opportunity to get into the version 2.0 it will reopen in 2017 with a new version but she also mentioned that prices are going to be increasing that private facebook mastermind group that is included with 2.0 will be a completely separate paid fee so if you do want to get in on that you can get in lifetime access to that facebook group and you can get it at that rate that it's at now which is a discounted rate to what it will be in 2017 definitely check that out nichesitetools.com forward slash abc And that'll wrap it up for the housekeeping. Let's get right into the content for this week.
And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my family and I had to evacuate for pending Hurricane Matthew that was coming over the last week or so. And it was quite a long week. The good part was that we knew the storm was coming. Usually with the hurricanes that are out there in the Atlantic, we have probably a week or more of time to prepare, maybe a couple of days at the minimum. So we knew this storm was coming. We had been watching the news. But as it has started to approach South Florida, then things got a bit more serious. They were talking about it potentially being a Category 3 or 4 hurricane. And if you're not familiar with hurricanes, there's a scale from like tropical storm all the way up to a Category 5. And the winds vary depending on what category that is. But basically the winds were somewhere between 125 and 140 miles per hour while we were watching it while it was approaching the state of Florida. So it was a pretty serious storm. And just to give you a little bit of background, we moved to Florida in 2000. So it's been 13 years since we've been here. And the first full summer that we were here, which was 2004, we had a number of different tropical storms, a lot of rain. We actually boarded up some windows since we were brand new to the whole storm thing. And we probably overreacted, but it's never a bad thing to overreact and be more prepared than you need to be. But that year, 2004, we had an awful lot of storms. So that kind of threw us right into the fire, so to speak, so that we were prepared. We knew how to deal with storms. But the strange thing was after that really active 2004 season, we haven't had much of anything in the way of storms since then. So it's been a really quiet 10 plus years and we're really thankful that we haven't had to deal deal with much of anything. But then when this storm came around, it was one of the biggest storms that was potentially going to affect the state of Florida. And usually here where we are in northeast Florida, there's a little inward dip to where we are in the state. So usually if a hurricane is going to come up the coast, usually avoids our area because of the way we're located geographically. So it's sort of a benefit that if anything's going to come up the East Coast, normally it wouldn't affect us all that much. But this one wasn't the case. All the models as it started to approach Florida were showing it skirting the East Coast of Florida and coming right up the state right through where we were. So This was a much more serious storm, and especially since it was between a Category 3 and 4 when it was projected to hit our area, and it could potentially make a hit on land when it came to our area, this was something that everybody was taking seriously, which was good. And another good part is that the local and state officials were actually taking it very seriously and they were taking it seriously early on. So it was around Wednesday morning when they were planning to take a look at the path and then make some suggestions based on that. And around noontime on Wednesday, they basically said anybody that's on a barrier island. So if you're in the beaches area or within a couple of miles of the beach in between the intercoastal waterway and the ocean you're definitely going to need to evacuate. So as soon as we heard that, we were kind of prepared. If we were going to have to evacuate, we were going to do so early because we've heard uh, probably around 15 or so years ago There was some storms in Florida that they forced everybody to evacuate and it was right towards the end of the storm and all the highways were backed up. So everybody was backed up sitting, waiting to get out of where they lived. And we had heard about those nightmares and of course you're not going to want to sit with a pending storm on an expressway like I-95 or wherever, whatever major interstate there is for hours and hours and hours just waiting, sitting there to get out of town. So we had started to prepare. We had canned goods, water and all that earlier in the week we had gassed up our cars and we had heated the potential warnings that were going to be coming 
But then when it actually hit that on noon on Wednesday, they were going to call for a mandatory evacuation. Anybody near the beaches at all would have to evacuate. We said, okay, we're going to do this as soon as my wife gets home. We're going to pack everybody up, put them in the car, and we're going to head inland to where our in-laws live, which is about two hours on the west coast, uh, towards the west coast of Florida. So that was our plan. As soon as we heard the warning, we were ready to go. We actually have a hurricane kit, which has all of our important documents, passports, uh, checkbook, any, anything like that, which is essential if you need to travel. We had our uh, re-entry passes, which if you're going to evacuate from a storm. You can have a little hang tag in your car so it's easier to get back in. But again, we had never had to evacuate before. This is something brand new to us. It's something that really doesn't happen all that often, especially where we are in northeast Florida. So this was new to pretty much most people that live in the area because there's a lot of transplants and a lot of people that aren't familiar with dealing with these storms, especially a storm of this magnitude. So what we had done prior, like I said, we had already gotten canned goods, water, batteries, charged up all our cell phone chargers. We had extra battery chargers, etc., etc., to be prepared to hunker down and just stay where we were in the event that the storm would be off our shore. We'd get some winds and rain and we just normal stuff we usually deal with. But in the event that we were asked to evacuate, we were ready to go. We'd already lined it up with our in-laws. And something that we had done as well was we reserved a hotel a little bit inland to where we are. So it was about 10 or 15 miles inland in the event that it wasn't going to be too bad. We could stay in a, a pet-friendly hotel close to home. But we decided that based Based on all the very dire warnings from local officials and the fact that everybody here, even folks that had lived here for all of their lives, were taking this very seriously, we thought, let's not risk it. Let's go ahead and stay with our in-laws two hours inland. No issues to be concerned with there. So that's what we ended up doing. And just some suggestions. If you do run into a situation like this where a storm or something is approaching and you do have to evacuate, try to line up those hotels somewhere in a safe area as soon as you can. Do it beforehand because in a lot of cases those hotels are going to fill up very, very quickly. And shortly after we reserved that hotel a little bit inland from where we are, all of the hotels filled up within a two or three hour radius. And a lot of folks were actually completely going out of state up to five, seven hours or more just to get a hotel because as days went on, more people, of course, would be planning to evacuate. And not only that, but this is a storm that was going to be affecting Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. It's still affecting North Carolina as we speak due to flooding and due to rivers overflowing and things like that. But it was affecting four states, so everybody was going to be heading from the coastline inland. So even Atlanta, all of the hotels in Atlanta, which is seven hours from where we are, in a completely different state, all of them had filled up by the time this storm started to approach. So just a word of advice, if you're never needing to evacuate for any reason, reserve a hotel. Usually with a credit card, you can reserve that hotel. And as long as you cancel 24 hours before your time of arrival, usually you don't have to pay anything. And that's what we ended up doing once we realized that we were going to be going to visit our in-laws. 
we canceled the hotel, didn't have to pay anything, but it was still good to have that as a backup plan. So just something to consider if you're ever in a situation where you might have to evacuate. Book a hotel early and have a plan ahead of time. Have a little bin with all of your important information. That might be wedding albums, pictures, whatever the case may be. Most of our stuff is all somewhere online or on a phone or or stored electronically as far as pictures go, so that wasn't a concern for us. But another thing that you're going to want to do is make sure that your insurance is up to date. So whether you're renting and you have renter's insurance or whether you have homeowner's insurance, before you leave, before something like a storm could happen, even if you're in a tornado area or any sort of bad weather, you never know what could happen. Definitely take an inventory every so often of your entire house on a cell phone and save it somewhere in like Dropbox. Because that's something I did as well. Because in the event something does happen, the worst happens, you want to make sure that you have an accurate, up-to-date inventory of everything that you have. So it'll be much easier in the event you have to make an insurance claim to show this is exactly what I had on X date. And if you if you have some valuable items like, let's say, entertainment systems or computers or things like that, it's take that extra step and record serial numbers as well. So as you're walking around your house showing your video of the items you have for anything that's expensive over a couple hundred dollars, get those serial numbers so that you have that. You can look up the information after the fact. You can give them exact model numbers. And it would just make it so much easier in the event something happens. Let's say your entire house is wiped out by a tornado and you can't remember exactly what you had in there. You don't have to go through the stress of trying to remember everything. You would have a video on there or you could even take a inventory, write it down of the individual more expensive items that you'd want to keep track of and have a list of all that. So in the event something the worst does happen, you have that there. You have the peace of mind that you've already done the work ahead of time. And that's something I do probably every year or so. If it's a really quiet season as far as storms go, I'm probably going to skip a couple of years. So it's probably been two or three years since I've done it. But that is something good to do on an every so often basis, just in case something happens. You never know what could happen. So it's always best to be over prepared for something. And then in the event something does happen, you're not scrambling. You already know exactly where your main items are. You already had your plan in place. So it's just a matter of actually following through and doing what you had planned to ahead of time. That's so important because of course, it's usually always how you react to a situation. There's a hundred different ways to react in a stressful situation, but the more effort that you put in ahead of time to make preparations, to have things set aside, to have things ready to go in the event something does happen, your reaction to it is going to be a lot more normal. It's going to, you're not going to freak out. Your hair's not going to be on fire, hopefully. And you're going to be in a much better situation to weather the storm, no pun intended there. But uh, the the more you, that you're prepared, the better you're going to react. And the better you react, everybody around you will feel more at calm and at ease because really it can be so easy in a stressful situation for someone to stress out and then for everybody around them to stress out because you're not prepared. You didn't have a plan ahead of time. You wait till the last minute. And a lot of folks that I know that did wait till the last minute in that situation did run into problems. So for example, I heard from a lot of folks that had tried to get water, tried to get gas for their cars at the last minute, and the gas stations were out of gas for the most part. The water was out, the ice was out. So all those things factored into, well, had we planned ahead of time, we would have had all those things lined up. And now what are we going to do when the power goes out? We may not have enough water. We may not have enough gas to evacuate if we need to. All those things come into play, which just stress you out even more. 
So the takeaway from all that is really just to be prepared for anything that can come your way. Think for a minute, what could affect you? There's a lot of areas that are prone to wildfires in California, for example, sometimes in Florida. And in the Midwest of the U.S., there's always the propensity for tornadoes or bad weather. In the Northeast, there's all these nasty winter storm warnings, ice storms, things like that, which could leave you inside for weeks without power. That happened to us when we used to live in the Northeast. We had an ice storm. We were stuck without power for over a week trying to stay warm, no generators or anything. So we ended up having to go to our in-laws when they lived up there at the time because they had um, heat, hot water, everything else, and they were about an hour and a half away. But think about all these things that could happen. There's civil unrest these days. There's terrorism. All these different things that could cause you to need to evacuate or to need to have a plan to have your important documents, to have an inventory of what you have. All those things are important to plan for, and it really doesn't take that much time. Really set aside a single Rubbermaid bin that, you know, won't get wet if uh, you took it outside or something. Have a container that can be securely fastened and it's safe from the elements that's going to keep all of your important papers, photos, uh, anything that you might have that you're going to want to keep, you're going to want to have ready in the case you need to leave. That's something every member of your family should have. So if you have pets too, make sure that they're carriers, make sure they're food, make sure any medications that you might need, make sure those are all up to date, make sure your prescriptions are ready. That's another thing. Make sure prior to evacuating, you filled any prescriptions way ahead of time in, in the event that you have enough notice that you would need to leave. But have all this sort of information ready somewhere where everybody knows where it is so that you could just grab it and go in the event something happens and take an inventory every so often save it to your computer save it in Dropbox so that it's off-site it's not in the same location where you have to evacuate from so of course have it online so that you can access it from anywhere that'll just greatly decrease your stress level and put your mind at ease so that you know you're prepared in the event something happens so that's exactly what we did we packed everybody up got the pets in the car all three of them in separate carriers in the back seat of my car and uh, one of our cats decided to meow and cry for probably an hour and a half of a two and a half hour drive so needless to say uh, a friend had suggested on Facebook that we bring earplugs because he's had to do that before put a bunch of pets in the car and move he said bring earplugs no matter what you do have some earplugs so that saved my sanity on the drive I knew he was scared and I knew he was stressed out, but knowing that that was probably going to happen and never having to have three of the cats in the car, in one car at the same time before, I kind of expected that. And actually the other two were good. They weren't that loud. So really all in all, they were excellent. It went way better than expected. We had the three of them in a room with us at our in-law's house and they're not pet people. So we kept them all confined to one room. They were excellent. They didn't do anything out of the ordinary. No surprises. So we were really happy. Everything went well. We were so glad we left early. So we had evacuated that Wednesday evening or as soon as my wife got home from work. So we beat the crowds. There was no crowds. There was no traffic to deal with. It was a really quick and easy two and a half hour drive to the in-laws. Everything went perfect. And while we were there, it was nice to be able to be in a house and not a single hotel room with other people. We had power. We had no concerns 
concerned. There was a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain, but we kept the cats in the room for most of the day since they sleep most of the day anyway. We had a full run of the house. The stores there were still open. No major issues, so we could come and go as we please. They did run out of gas at a multiple number of gas stations while we were there, but then the next day everything was fine, and we didn't need gas at the time. So it was a really stress-free event for us. A lot of folks that I know that live a little bit more inland had a lot more to deal with. So they were here during the power outages. They were here during the strongest wind, and they suspected that we did get some winds up to 100 miles per hour. The beaches area got a lot of damage. Luckily, we're inland enough to where we didn't get any serious damage from the storm. We had a little bit of water come in. uh, Looks like it was rising up the side of the house, and it had gone underneath the um siding i guess you would say and a little bit had come in but our entire place we're staying in is ceramic tile so we just had to use a towel wipe up a little bit of water that was there and we were good to go so there's a lot of branches out in the back that i'm looking at right now that i have to use a chainsaw i didn't have a chainsaw bought one for 35 bucks on amazon it's a remington chainsaw if you ever need one it looks like it's a great one it's electric It's good to go. You know, it's good for small limbs. I only have a couple of uh, limbs out there, and they're big limbs, but they're not really that thick. So this is going to do the job just fine, and I plan to do that, clean it up over the weekend, and we'll be good to go. So no real damage to speak of here. I had a couple of folks at work that had some roof damage, and I know one guy that lives closer to the beach south of here that had a lot of other damage, and a lot of folks actually lost their house or their houses are condemned that were right on the beach probably... 15 20 minutes from here so there was a lot of folks that were really affected by this so we're really thankful really grateful that uh, everything is fine nothing to complain about whatsoever we got our power back we arrived back in town so we let's see we evacuated Wednesday evening we got back in town Saturday night and we got some takeout food our power came back about an hour and a half later and then our cable and internet came back I think two days ago so like midweek this week so all in all Not a bad experience whatsoever. Glad we evacuated. We'd do it again in a second if we had to, but hopefully we won't have to deal with storms of this intensity anytime in the near future, and I hope none of you have to either. But that's as far as the physical storm goes, keeping yourself safe, making sure that your family, pets, friends are safe, and all that good stuff. But in addition to that real disaster, I actually had another disaster which had the potential to delay podcast episodes and all sorts of other things as well in that my computer had an issue just prior to the storm coming through. And what happened in my particular situation that could have happened or may have already happened to many of you out there is that in the last couple of weeks, I got this Windows 10 anniversary update. And what happened was I have a laptop, which I primarily use for everything to do with the website, podcast, and all that. I don't actually have a desktop computer at home. So what happened on my laptop was a couple of days at the beginning of the week before the storm was coming through, my laptop had powered itself on, installed this Windows 10 anniversary update, and ever since it did that, I've had issues. And I, when I say I've had issues, I've been unable to access my computer. So what had ended up happening was previous to that, I had actually turned off all sorts of things that would just automatically turn my computer on at various times. Applications would update. And for some reason, a lot of these applications have the ability to wake up your computer when they need to update 
install their updates and move on and you don't have a whole lot of say in it. Prior to Windows 10, you could easily disable it or tell Windows not to install updates and let me choose when I want to update. So that's what I was used to. I had heard that Windows 10 does a little bit more proactive in the way of updates, but I didn't realize even as an IT guy that it was that intrusive. A lot of what I work on on a daily basis is Linux. So I have some Windows at home for some different things that I do, all the podcast stuff and all that just makes my life a little bit easier. But the way Windows 10 does their updates, they are on automatically and you can't do much of anything to stop that. There are ways if you're a little bit more seasoned, you can go into your services and there's a Windows update service in there that you can disable. And I believe that'll stop it from automatically updating. But in that case, you would have to go in and do a manual process anytime you wanted to check for updates. And it it changes the way Windows wants to function. It wants to be able to update all the time and that's what it expects to be able to do. So you may have other issues if you disable that. But what happened in my case that I hope hasn't happened to you guys is that it automatically did some updates and not only that, right after it did the updates, I was still able to get into my computer for a short period of time. So that was okay. But what it did was it actually removed several applications that I need to do my daily job. So for my day job, I use my personal laptop and it had uninstalled the Cisco VPN client, which I use to connect to work because it was incompatible with this release of Windows 10. So I understand what Windows is doing. If it finds a piece of software that's going to cause issues with the Windows operating system itself, it may want to remove that. But the fact that it just automatically did it, I didn't have a choice to get it back and I didn't have a way to reinstall that because it's no longer compatible is just something I have a huge problem with because who are you to say that you're going to go ahead and take away things that I need to do my job just because your update isn't compatible? If your update wasn't compatible with my software, you shouldn't have installed yourself. So I was really floored by the fact that it just went ahead and did its update and didn't care about what you had on the computer. So if you have Windows 10, be very aware that this stuff could possibly happen. And you might want to think about, if you're thinking about upgrading, maybe you don't want to put Windows 10 on there. If your computer comes with an option to have Windows 7 or Windows 10, you may want to strongly consider keeping Windows 7. And basically what I ended up doing when I was at my in-law's house in between doing my day job remotely, what I had done was tried to fix my computer and no joke, I spent more than 20 hours trying to restore my computer to the point where I could get back into it and it was all to no avail. So I was not ever able to get back into my computer and what ended up happening after a couple of days is my login for Windows 10 had become corrupt. So when I tried to log into my computer, it would tell me my user profile was corrupt. Anytime I'd enter my password, it would just sit there and spin for, literally I let it sit for over an hour and it it just sat there. It didn't do anything. So being an IT guy, no big deal. I figured went online, looked up a lot of different things, had a bunch of suggestions out there. I'm not going to bore you with the technical details, but if you are more technical, a couple of things that were suggested were to actually go out there and enable a hidden administrator account. You can log in with that, make some registry changes to go into the registry, change a couple of values, and you'll be able to get in separately with this other account. Try these other things to bypass that. And all sorts of different things. You could go into safe mode, try to disable services that were starting up, all sorts of different things. Believe me, literally 20 hours I spent trying to get this computer back. And then towards the end, I had actually tried to boot off CDs, boot off USB keys, 
get into recovery CDs. A couple of those options would be to reset your PC to the basically base Windows 10, basically reinstall Windows 10 over top of what you have. In that case, you would lose your applications and have to reinstall them, but all your data would still be there. So that was where I was going with it, and none of that worked. I, I kid you not. Resetting everything, trying a Windows CD, trying to reinstall Windows over top, none of that worked. So I sort of gave up on fixing that while I was there. I'd already spent way too much time on that and wasn't getting anywhere. But luckily, I had a backup plan. I had a work laptop that I had brought home thinking in case we need to evacuate, I'm going to want to have that. So I did have my work laptop as a backup, and that was absolutely 100% essential for me. That was what I used to connect to work. That's what I used to try to troubleshoot everything, to try to get my actual personal laptop working. So luckily for me, I had brought that home. I had that. That's something you might want to think about having is having a backup computer or if one of your spouses has a computer that you could utilize, that's something that would be, you know, in a pinch you could utilize theirs. They're probably not going to like that, but if you have multiple devices, maybe somebody can use an iPad, somebody can use their phone, you could use somebody else's computer. That's always great to have some sort of computer as a backup. Even if it's a really old one that doesn't work really well, the battery doesn't work well, it's an old desktop system. It's always great to have some sort of backup device so that you could continue to do what you'd normally do in the event something does go catastrophically wrong. And the other part is that in addition to that, there's a couple of key features you're going to want to do to keep your computer or your computing devices safe so that you have your data that you need it. And basically what I do is I have a main hard drive in my computer that has Windows, has all my applications and everything on it. And then I have a separate hard drive in there that has all my data. So anything I've ever worked on, documents, website stuff, anything as far as data files that I might need is on that secondary drive. And in addition to that, every so often, probably every six months at a minimum, sometimes I do it more often depending on if I create some really critical documents, I'll back it up probably every three months or so or as needed. But basically what I also do is I take that data that's on that secondary hard drive and I save it to an external USB drive. So I have a couple terabyte USB Western digital drive that I hook up to my computer. I have all my data in that one folder on the second hard drive. So I just right click copy, right click paste onto the secondary USB drive. And then I take a full copy of that drive and have it stored externally. So even without being able to access my computer, I knew that I had all of my data externally. But the problem that I was concerned with most was that if I actually lost the main hard drive on that computer or there was complete corruption and I needed to get a new hard drive or something, that could take a couple of days, I would need to rebuild everything, reinstall all my applications. And my primary concern was, will I be able to get the next podcast episode on time that I'm recording right now? So that was my biggest concern. I knew my data was intact. I knew that I had an external copy of my data from probably two or three months ago. So I was a little concerned that I might lose some of that data because I didn't know how bad the corruption was from that Windows 10 update. So I was a little bit concerned of you know, being able to have access to that data, but not a whole lot of concern because I knew I had that secondary hard drive in the computer that was probably fine. I knew that no matter what, I had that external copy. So I had a drive at home 
that I would be able to access. So I wasn't one, you know, I wasn't really super stressed out. It was just the time that it was going to take me to get everything back. And what I ended up doing, what ended up working for me after all was said and done was I found up in the attic in a storage bin that I actually had the recovery CDs from when I got my laptop five years ago. And that's what I ended up having to use. So I basically put in the first recovery DVD and it basically just said, are you wanting to revert your laptop to how it was when you got it? So that was my main choice and that was what I was prepared to do at that point. Nothing else had worked, so that was what I was prepared to do. So that's what I let it do. It actually, I actually had all five of the recovery DVDs and the only reason I had those was because the first time when you get a new laptop, Basically, it says something along the lines of, would you like to create recovery CDs in the event that you need to revert back? And that was something that I did at the time. That's something I encourage you to do. There are ways you can do that. For instance, I went to, after I reloaded everything, I went into Windows 7 and went into the search today right before this episode and typed recovery. And there was a number of different options there. Create recovery media back up your computer, restore your computer from a prior backup. So there's a couple of different options you'll want to consider depending on what operating system you're running. I know a lot of folks run Mac, and there's a really good backup program called Time Machine. So depending on what operating system you're running, check into different things. There's ways you can create restore points in Windows so that if updates do install, you can revert back to a particular point in time before those updates installed. And I had tried to do that. I don't know if I had restore points disabled or what the situation was, but in my case, I could not revert back to a particular restore point. So something you're going to want to do as an action item after listening to this episode is take a look at your operating system, type in recovery in the search box and see what comes up. See what options you have as far as taking backups either straight through Windows or possibly looking into an online backup solution. I know you could backup files to sites like Dropbox. There's Carbonite backups where you can backup your entire computer. And if you're running online businesses or you have important uh, information on your computer, important programs on there, I know I have family members that run their own uh, brick and mortar business. And it's very important for them to have images of their computer, backups of their computer stored online. So if they do need to recover, they have all their programs, all their data, everything intact in like a single image file they could quickly recover from. So depending on the severity of the data you have and the importance of being able to recover that, you're going to want to consider a couple of different situations, having your own backup where that you keep where you are, having an offsite backup, making sure that those are routinely tested, things like that are going to be important depending on your level of severity on how quickly you need to recover, how important that data is, etc., etc. But luckily in my situation, I was able to utilize those recovery DVDs that I created when I got my laptop and I had them stored in a box somewhere up in the attic and I was able to find them. So that was really great. It did bring me back to Windows 7. I had to reinstall all the applications I need. Luckily, everything's working just fine. I don't mind doing that sort of thing. So if you're not really technical, you may have had to use some like Geek Squad to recover from scratch, to uh, try to restore your data that you have maybe on an external hard drive, all that sort of of stuff, depending on your level of knowledge, you may have need to pull somebody in, which could add additional time. So you got to think about all those things if you're not really that technical and you would have to utilize somebody to help
help you with all that, make sure you're at least taking those steps to look into how you would create recovery CDs for your computer. Because in my particular case, if I needed to actually install Windows 7 from scratch and I had to go to somebody like a Geek Squad or something like that, I may have had to pay for Windows 7 because if I had no C no actual CDs or DVDs to prove that I had a valid license, you may end up having to spend a lot more money than you want to. So try to take some proactive steps. If you can create recovery CDs or DVDs for your computer, definitely look into that. Definitely do so. Make sure you have some sort of backup, even if it's just an external USB drive that you keep somewhere safe where you live so that you know what you have on there. Do that every so often. Just think about it. Anytime you create something as far as a document goes or you save some files that you might need, think about the work that it would take to recreate that. That's what I always do. So anytime especially for my WordPress websites, what I do is if I create a piece of content and it's a couple thousand words, when I'm done with that and I schedule that post to go live, I'm going to take a backup after that. That's something I do now that I didn't always do because I have lost data to the point where it's maybe a week's worth of data. I installed some updates and I had to revert to a backup Basically, what I had to do was recreate any content that I created in that time, in that one or two week time period. And it was really painful because when I create content, it could take up to eight hours to create a good piece of content. And I'm not going to remember the frame of mind I'm in, I was in at the time. I'm not going to remember what I was saying. I'm not going to have that same level of enthusiasm. So in many cases, you're probably not even going to want to recreate that content because of the extra time and effort you're going to have to go in to do that. So anytime I create content, I always take it back backup now and I have weekly backups scheduled for my WordPress website so that if I do forget to take that manual backup after I create content the worst case scenario I always have that backup from a week prior and typically I'll schedule my backups so that they go after I normally create content. So if I normally create a piece of content on Saturday, I'm going to have my backup set to go every week on Sunday so that it's automatically going to hopefully grab anything that was just created and it's going to be out there ready to refer back to if needed. And I store those backups off-site. There's all sorts of free services you could use. Dropbox is a great one. Amazon is another great place you could put uh, store files and things like that. So all sorts of different ways. A lot of them are free up to a certain limit. So definitely check those options out. But make sure that you have backups, not only for your physical computer, so if you have other devices you could use in a pinch. Like for me, for example, I would need something with a USB uh, connector so that I could actually record these podcasts. I'd need something with the Audacity software that I use. So there's all sorts of different pieces that you'd need that I couldn't necessarily do on a tablet or I couldn't necessarily do on a mobile phone. I could record a podcast episode on a mobile phone, somehow up, upload it, edit it, but it, that's not my normal routine. So that would take me a lot more effort to get something live. But you could do that in a pinch, but just make sure you have some sort of plan so that if you are out of commission when it comes to your computer or when it comes to your devices or when it comes to your websites, make sure you have those backups. Make sure you think about that. Make sure that you have a way to recover from a potential problem that's kind of outside of your control. Like in my case, that Windows 10 update that actually brought my computer online from asleep, installed the updates, removed some of my software, and basically corrupted my computer 
completely outside of my control for the most part. So please be aware that Windows 10 does do that. If anybody's running Windows 10, be aware of that. Uh, if you are really technical, you could look into disabling, disabling the Windows Update service. And again, do that at your own risk. I'm not sure exactly what issues that might cause other than you won't get automatic updates. And of course, it's important to routinely update for security issues and to patch applications and to do things like that. But if you do do that, make sure that you have a restore point or a backup or something to revert back to in the event something does go wrong. And that's again what I do with all my WordPress websites as well. Anytime I'm about to do upgrades to plugins or WordPress itself, I always take a full backup prior to doing any updates because I have run into issues where my site has issues afterwards and I've had to refer back to that. So please be sure that you're being aware of these types of issues, planning for them, having a backup plan. Worst case scenario, you have another computer you could use with most of your software on it, or you have a backup where all of your data is on an external USB drive that you can plug into some other device and have access to that data. Make sure you're just having a plan because inevitably all of us are going to run into issues like that. And the more you're prepared, the less stress it's going to be and the quicker you're going to be able to be back online and back into your normal routine without missing a beat. So that's the key takeaway I want you guys to have today. Be as prepared as possible so it could be a non-event for you. You can move on and you can go back about your normal routine. So that's where I am. I'm glad to be back behind the mic for you guys today. If you do have any other topics you'd like to hear about for upcoming episodes, please leave me an email, chris at nichesitetools.com. My favorite episodes to record are questions or suggestions from you guys out there because I know that if at least one person is interested in this topic, I'm sure lots of others are as well. So keep those suggestions coming. Thank you to all the well-wishers on Facebook. Uh, everything is good. We are safe and I really appreciated that and just glad to be getting back into the normal routine. So thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you again in the next episode, which will hopefully be in two more weeks. Thank you again. Bye-bye now. 